welcome into another episode of Round 3 Speak, the podcast. Thank you for that intro, Mr. Solomon Black. Hope you can find him at chrisblackohio.com. I'm here with the host, once again, as they always are. We have former intelligence analyst and banking slash financial guru person. Should have mentioned that in the last episode when we talked finances. But his name is Mr. Lawson. Also with us is Patrick Henry, our resident blogger, activist, and certified engineer. And I'm also your host, author, Scott Barnes. Our producer is Mercy Warren. She's not with us right now, but she might join us later in the episode. And we have a new segment that we are going to be adding to the show. We're going to start off with it right here. And I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Patrick Henry so he can update us on current events. Mr. Henry, the floor is yours. Yeah, so this is a a new segment. It's basically just some headlines that are in the news in uh, five minutes or less. So, um, first of all, we have Biden announces a withdrawal from Afghanistan after two decades of frustration in the forever war. Um, We'll see if that withdrawal actually happens. I don't think that it will. Um, It's also a, really, it's a delayed withdrawal because uh, Trump had an agreement with the Taliban to remove troops Um, by May 1st. So it's actually delaying that May 1st deadline. Um, This one's about inflation. Get ready for higher grocery bills for the rest of the year. That is NBC News. Um, They have more inflation facts that are in that article, but uh, of course they deflect the blame because it is the mainstream media after all, and they don't want the Federal Reserve to get the blame. Um, This one is about court packing. The House and Senate Democrats plan a bill to add four justices to the Supreme Court. Um, that is, of course, to get as many socialists as possible in the Supreme Court, um, which we are about to talk about socialism in this episode. Um, this one's about fear. Scientific American, along with major news outlets worldwide, decided to start using the term climate emergency in its coverage of climate change. And it says the media's response to COVID-19 provides a useful model. So the, that's from the Scientific American. The goal is to create as much fear as possible, and that fear will lead to government control. Uh, this one's about vaccines out of the CNN.com. CDC reports 5,800 COVID infections in fully vaccinated people. And that's probably gone up since this article was published. So... You get the vaccine and then you come down with COVID. Not ideal. Um, This one's about vaccines as well. Uh, This is from the Daily Mail in the UK. Australia won't open its borders even after everyone is vaccinated against COVID. So I don't know what's going on in Australia. They've become a total police state. Um, So even after you've capitulated and you get your vaccine, uh, you're still not able to leave or come into Australia. Um, This one, again, is about vaccines. This one is out of abc7.com. Orange County, California is going to test digital COVID-19 vaccine passport program. So a lot of people think the vaccine passport idea is dead in America. Um, However, it is is not. It's still alive in some some areas. and the, the fact is, uh, there, there's been such an outrage and outcry in Orange County that I think they're actually backing off this a little bit. Yeah, let me uh, skip ahead here to um, 
Johnson and Johnson. The U.S. has called for a pause in Johnson and Johnson vaccinations over blood clot concerns. That's from GoodMorningAmerica.com. Uh, I don't like the word pause. It's a suspension. I mean, you pause a Netflix show. You don't pause a vaccine rollout. It's a suspension because it's been a disaster. There hasn't just been uh, blood clots. Um, there's been tons of adverse reactions. And if you look at VAERS, there's hundreds of blood clots, not just six or seven, which people are pointing to. Um, and I'd really like to know why these vaccines are causing blood clots and if they can cause blood clots, what can they cause down the road? Can they cause infertility? Can they cause cancer? Um, let's see what else is a big deal in, in, in news here. Uh, this is, this is uh, now that we're four minutes into this, this is from the New York Post. Yankees scratch Gio Urshela, baseball player, after COVID-19 vaccine side effects. So it's starting to affect sports now, people getting sick. But there is some good news. Um, the Supreme Court said California cannot restrict religious household gatherings. Um, Idaho became the fourth state to ban coronavirus vaccine passports. That's from Forbes.com. Um, Arizona governor um, signs a bill to defy any new federal gun control laws. Some of you may think that's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because it's good for liberty. It's good for the Constitution. Um, Tennessee enacts constitutional carry. Wyoming expands constitutional carry. Those are all gun-related. Um, and that is pretty much up for my time. So that's the first time I, we've done that segment. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you guys liked it. And uh, back to Scott. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, we uh, definitely look forward to hearing more of those. I think, as we said in the very first podcast, it's important to stay up on current events. Um, we've kind of slipped from that a little bit. So I actually kind of like this idea. I'm glad that we brought it in. And also gives uh, people listening an idea of where we're at right now. And kind of uh, who knows what the, the headlines are going to be next week or next time we do this podcast. So, But, uh, yeah, we're going to get into our topic now today, which Patrick said is socialism. Uh, there's a wide range, I think, right now today um, when it comes to the definition of socialism, what it is. I wanted to speak more on, like, modern-day uh, democratic socialism. Uh, but we'll get into all the issues, all the wide-ranging issues that they are. And basically what we're going to touch on is what would socialism look like here in America? Now, we already have some socialist programs today. Uh, they include food stamps, Social Security, general income, tax credit, uh, Medicaid, and housing assistance. Uh, the federal government provides funding for welfare programs, uh, but states administer them. So I think that's important to point that out. Um, other socialist ideas that have been accepted in the U.S. are minimum wage, maximum hours, and child labor laws, agriculture and energy subsidies, and also socialist programs and other socialist programs. Uh, when we hear socialism, I think we all immediately think Nazis. You know, goose-stepping uh, armies that burn books, uh, outlaw religion, strip your right to choose, vote, uh, free speech, and infringes on your life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. All things that we know and love, and especially, uh, I think, uh, Patrick Henry was around for some of those things when they were created. Not you. But uh, socialism is thrown around a lot in the news, especially by the right against the left. Um, I believe socialism is used 
as a way to make people afraid that we are trending towards a totalitarian government. I'm going to let the other hosts chime in here next about the issue and the main questions that we have, like what would socialism look like in America? Uh, I believe Patrick will go into the strict sense of socialism under the Karl Marx ideals, but I'll let him give his definition of socialism first and throw the floor to him. Thank you, Scott. The question is, the question of socialism and communism can be boiled down to one basic idea. What should the role of government be? Some people place socialism and communism on the far left and fascism on the far right. But really, socialism, communism, and fascism are all on the far left. And no government at all, zero, anarchy, on the far right. So it's a decreasing scale from left to right based on the amount of government that there is. The one I would prefer, and the one America is supposed to be, is a constitutional republic. And the role of that government is simple, to protect our liberty. As the original Patrick Henry said, you are not to inquire how your trade may be increased, nor how, how you are to become a great and powerful people, but how your liberties can be secured. For liberty ought to be the direct end of your government, end quote. Socialism and communism set out to provide for their people. They take from some in order to give to others. Because remember, government has nothing of its own. It can only take in order to give. But in taking from someone and giving to someone else, they end up with control over both. And that is the, that is the truth that is the true behind the veal goal, total control. So socialism and communism may sound nice, but they're not how they appear. What is proper is limited government and personal responsibility. When it comes to socialism in America, the entire constitution has to be scrapped or changed before that can happen. The federal government is very limited and its powers are listed in Article 1, Section 8 of the constitution. The rest of the powers rest at the state or local level Per the 10th Amendment. It's worth noting, too, that our rights come from God, not the government. This is why the Bill of Rights don't say you are granted these rights, but instead it says the government shall not infringe on those rights that you already have. So the recent push towards socialism is very worrying. It sounds nice and it is enticing, but it leads to total government control over our lives. It rejects individual rights in favor of whatever is considered good for the collective whole. I believe Americans need to realize the importance of liberty and limited government before it is too late. As the founder and second president, John Adams, said, quote, a constitution of government once changed from freedom can never be restored. Liberty once lost is lost forever. Go ahead, Scott. And yeah, thank you, Mr. Henry. Um, before I give my point of view and definition, we will go first to Mr. Lawson, who you appear to be ready. You, uh, yeah, you ready to go? Okay. Yeah. All right, then, Mr. Lawson, give us your definition, your definition and intro. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I just want to respond to one of the news articles Patrick Hannon referenced. I don't want to go. Okay. I don't want to talk about all of them. Um, but the fact that we are pulling troops out of Afghanistan, I think, is a very positive development. And I um, think that's a good policy that really started under Trump, as you mentioned earlier, negotiating with the Taliban. And now Biden is continuing that policy. So I applaud that. 
Um, I think it's news that there are still some people in this country, mostly Republicans, but even some on the Democratic side, who and the head of the CIA, for that matter, who disagree with the decision to leave Afghanistan and thinks we should keep troops there, even though we've been there for 20 years. And I have some experience um, with Afghanistan, and I can assure you that keeping U.S. troops in Afghanistan is not improving the situation there at all and is actually leading to more resentment and more um, terrorism against the United States, in my opinion. So, end of that. I'll move on to socialism. Um, you know, socialism has been in this country uh, for, a, for a long time. Um, Thomas Paine, actually, in his A Hero Common Sense, um, but he later, around the time of the French Revolution, um, talked about a, a government's um, welfare, and a, a welfare state. So he did support that and was kind of one of the, he didn't mention the word socialism, but that was kind of one of the early um, social thoughts of socialism. Obviously, then you had Karl Marx um, and his writings. And then that kind of, the socialist movement really started catching on um, in the early 1900s. Um, there was a socialist party. And in 1912, they actually had like a candidate that was actually like somewhat competitive, like actually got like decent percentage of votes. Um, they were close to winning, but still, you know, impressive for a, you know, non-Republican or Democratic candidate. Um, but then what happened was, after the um, Bolshevik Revolution, the um, socialism in this country became a really negative connotation. And people were actually arrested in this country, um, which is, you know, really against the liberty that Patrick Henry always speaks of. People were, were arrested for being a socialist or possibly supporting communism. Um, and then really... So that happened, like in the in the teens. Um, it kind of died out, honestly. The push for socialism in, in this country, or it's, you know, it diminished greatly, and really didn't come back fully. Um, obviously, there was like the Red Scare with Joseph McCartney, who accused a lot of people of being socialist and communist, which was also ridiculous. Um, but then, really, in the sixties and seventies, you know, there started to become like the leftist movements um, that kind of pushed some ideas that kind of brought socialism back into the forefront. Um, and, you know, th that kind of started the leftist politics in this country today, or really got it, elevated it. Um, and then, of course, more recently, uh, Bernie Sanders, obviously, is advocating a democratic socialism. So what he is calling for, or what he claims, is that he doesn't want to turn into, you know, he not Cuba, or not the, you know, failed experiments in Central and South America. He wants to have a model off Denmark and... Um, Sweden, and obviously we can talk about the merits of that. Okay, yeah, you kind of froze there for a second, so I uh, wasn't sure if you were done. You're good with your definition, Mr. Lawson? Okay. All right, I'll give mine now before we go into the round three aspect of this. Uh, see what we did there. That's why it's called the show. We will go around. But uh, let's remember, first off, the difference between socialism and communism as a uh, Patrick Henry pointed out, um, socialism in itself looks to reduce inequality in a modern definition, while communism uh, wants equality through authoritarian rule. I think today, um, like as uh, Mr. Lawson has said, socialism has changed over the centuries, and especially into what I think it's become today in democratic socialism, it would need to change even further 
um, into a different hybrid altogether. And I'm not sure that hybrid even exists right now, but I'm going to give some examples, as Mr. Lawson touched on, too, about some other countries where it does seem to be working. And if we can take that model, and I think, as we do in this country, Americanize it, maybe we can turn it into something that promotes change and a real equality and doesn't fall into that authoritarian Nazi um, you know, trend that we're all afraid of. But a place where these, these are working right now are countries like Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Iceland, Italy, Norway, the Netherlands, Sweden, and Greenland. Even England has had a trend in that direction as well. And there's a difference between those countries and where it's definitely failing, like Cuba, Venezuela, Spain to some part, and other South American countries, where, um, you know, I think it's those are still old school socialism that's not modern, it's not democratic socialism, and it's not working, obviously. It's something that we want, wouldn't want here in America. Um, but well, the other nations that I... I'm sorry, Latin, Mr. Lawson. Latin America, they control, um, you know, the government controls almost every part of the economy. Um, there's very little, I mean, there's some local level capitalism to some degree, but once you get to like the mid-sized and certainly the larger companies, um, including the oil companies down there, um, it's all government controlled, which is different from, um, you know, Sweden and Denmark, where there's a lot of capitalism. Um, really, it's just a, a really expanded social welfare state um, and high degree of taxation is really the biggest difference. Sorry to interrupt. Well, no, you're fine. And like I said, it would have to be some kind of hybrid. Um, and I'll get more into that uh, later. But And I hate to use this as a reference, but uh, Michael Moore, uh, in his 2015 film, Where to Invade Next, uh, he points out how in socialist countries like the ones I've mentioned, uh, citizens enjoy um, longer paid vacations, uh, better schooling, longer paid maternity leave, better food quality. They live longer. On average, most people it could be part of their diet the mediterranean diet i know is really big but not in all the countries but they live longer lives than americans um in a 2017 study it showed that america spends more and fares worse than european healthcare, and that's always been one of the big arguments against free healthcare and socialism is that you won't get the care that you need um like you do here in america and it's it's also up for debate a bit too um where you know some things that america excels in more than others, especially with cancer care. But then again, cancer cases are way up in America than other nations. Um, and I think that the average person dealing with hospitals, too, um, they know like how expensive it is. And they've had bad ex- Most people, I think, have had bad experiences in hospitals. Um, I firmly believe that the type of socialism that Fox News tries to scare people with will never happen in America. Not unless... If you you know believe what they do to the new world order, they could trend to something, but that wouldn't be socialism. That would be totalitarian, and with a reduced population and basically, uh, you know, a, a 1984 George Orwell or Orwellian you know society. Um, but we basically already have a mini socialist, quasi-communist states in our own workplaces too. You have freedom to change jobs, yes, but the average American worker is far underpaid i'm gonna i'll try not to get into it too much but i think a lot of that is due to the wealth gap um because living on minimum wage is nearly impossible even if you don't have a family trying to support yourself on minimum wage and have a a good lifestyle is next to impossible on minimum wage um if you try to speak out against your employer to make change you will suffer for it and most likely lose your job so there goes your free speech also um if you used to you know 
if you in in the old days, everybody talks about how it was back in the day. You you know, you, you get a job, you spend twenty to thirty years there. You can afford a house, two cars, two kids. The wife stays at home. Now both people have to work. Moms work two jobs. Prices are up. Wages are down, and the wealth gap continues to grow uh, even wider. Um, in countries like Italy, the profits are shared by the company back to the employees, and they get good meals, free meals. They get longer, you know, six to eight week vacations yearly. You know, um, I'll end my rant now and switch it back to Mr. Patrick Henry. Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, Italy is a terrible example because they don't get anything done. They don't get anything built. I've been to Italy. Um, my girlfriend was there for five months, and uh, it takes them a long time to get to get anything done. And their infrastructure and their buildings and uh, all of it's in pretty bad shape. Now they do have a great history, so they have a lot of cool historical stuff to look at. But so there's there's so much to unpack in what you just said. Um, you talk about how, you know, it used to be one person could work and have enough money to uh, support, a, support a household, and now it takes, you know, multiple incomes to do that. That's true. But what has happened since, you know, since that time, we've grown government exponentially. I mean, we had a whole episode on the national debt. We, we discussed it. We discussed the fact that um, the Federal Reserve is absolutely destroying the currency. So it is a rat race that we're on to you have to keep making money in order to keep up with the rise in prices. That is socialism. That is the fruits of socialism. We're already starting to see it. And things are going to keep getting worse if you keep trying to reallocate wealth, take from some and give to others. Um, we already have federal income tax combined with state income taxes. Um, in fact, if you look at just the past year, people are leaving the places with high taxes and going to the places with low taxes so that they can innovate and they can save money and they can invest. Um, when you make these grand promises to people that you're going to support them with government money, um, you have to have high levels of taxation or money printing. We talked about money printing in the last episode and just how, I mean, even, even John Maynard Keynes, who should be your hero if you like socialism, he said that there's no better way to destroy a capitalist country than by debasing the currency through inflation. Um, he's also a eugenicist, by the way, which a lot of these socialists are. But um, so here, here's an article out of USA Today uh, called Venezuela was my home and socialism destroyed it. Slowly it will destroy America, too. Um, I recommend every everybody read it. Um, you know, I'll read a, a little bit of it here. The first time I couldn't buy food at the grocery store, I was 15 years old. Um, it was 2014 in Caracas, Venezuela, and I had spent more than an hour in line waiting. When I got to the register, I noticed I had forgotten my ID that day. Without the ID, the government rationing system would not let the supermarket sell my family the full quota of food that we needed. It was four days until the government allowed me to buy more. And this was fairly normal for me. All my life I lived under socialism in Venezuela until I left and came to the United States as a student in 2016. Because the regime in charge imposed price controls and nationalized the most important private industries, production plummeted. No wonder I had to wait hours in line to buy simple products such as toothpaste or flour. 
and the shortages went far beyond the supermarket. My family and I suffered from blackouts and lack of water. The regime nationalized electricity in 2007 in order to make electricity free. Unsurprisingly, this resulted in underinvestment in the electrical grid, and by 2016, my home lost power roughly once a week. Our water situation was even worse. Initially, my family didn't have running water for only about a day per month, but as the years passed, we sometimes went several weeks straight without it. Um, so, and then they blamed these problems on uh, right-wing sabotage and the weather. Um, so, and that's from USA Today. It's not from Fox News. Um, I know Fox News has propaganda, but you want to talk about propaganda. The pro-socialism, pro-big government, pro-communism propaganda that I see far outweighs and outnumbers the amount of free market propaganda that there is. I mean, look at people like Ron Paul. He got banned on Facebook. They finally reinstated his account, but just for being pro-free market, you're gone. But if you're pro-socialism and communism, you're going to get promoted. You're going, your, your words are going to uh, spread like wildfire because they're embraced. They're embraced by the establishment. We should be asking, why is the establishment embracing socialism? Why is the establishment wanting bigger government? It's because they control the government. They control where that money goes um there's i'll give one more i'll give one more example and then i'll throw it back to you guys um so sweden gets brought up a lot um there's tons of propaganda saying how uh, great sweden is and how great socialism is in sweden but this is from the foundation for economic education the myth that sweden is a utopian paradise where all social problems have been solved and that you can have high growth and with high taxes has been touted by Bernie Sanders as well as millennials that follow him. The glory days for Sweden economically took place prior to the 1960s when they had a free economy, low regulation, and lots of wealth. Between 1870 and 1950, Sweden had the highest per capita income growth in the world and became one of the richest countries behind only Switzerland, the U.S., and Denmark. In the 1960s, Sweden started to redistribute wealth, which brought wealth creation to a halt. By the mid-1990s, the country had growing economic problems because it continued to redistribute wealth that it wasn't creating. It was at this juncture that many of the wealthy and entrepreneurs were leaving Sweden. In 1994, Sweden began implementing the following measures designed to reverse this trend. Reduce regulation, reduce government spending, reform their welfare, welfare programs, and shrink their government. Sweden has continued on this path for the last 24 years, which has brought them a modest rate of growth, but not nearly as robust as pre-1960s levels due to government taxation remaining high. Johan Norberg, an author and historian, states that while Sweden is one of the healthiest countries, it's also one of the highest rates of sick leave in Europe, no doubt in large part because Sweden receives 80% of their salary while they stay home. Where do the healthcare technologies and medicines come from? Nearly all of it is invested or invented, invested in, and implemented in America in a competitive healthcare market. Norberg offers caution, however, to those who would implement a free healthcare system similar to Sweden's single payer program. In Sweden, the government tries to price healthcare at near zero, so demand is unlimited. However, resources are limited, resulting in rationed healthcare. Long waiting lines are the norm. 
Stories abound of people with an illness such as brain cancer being told they will need to wait for treatment until they have equipment and doctors ready for them. Like Canadians, many will go to other countries to get timely treatment. Economist Andreas Berg explains that Swedes are healthy not because of the healthcare system, but because they eat healthy foods and are physically active. But uh, that'll be the that'll be the end of my role. I've talked uh, long enough, so I'll throw it back to Scott. Okay, thanks. Yeah, there's a lot of things I want to weigh in too. But uh, Mr. Lawson, do you want to go first here? Yeah, let's go real quick. Um, I thought start about Facebook. Everyone's kind of like ticked off about Facebook banning people, and I kind of agree that it's ridiculous. But it's also a private company. So all the people that are ticked about Facebook banning people, like it's their right to ban someone from Facebook. It's their own company. So I think it's funny that a lot of conservatives are ticked off about it. But I'm like, if you want to like a government-run social media <laughs> company, um, I would like I would like to respond to that. Sure, good. So Facebook is actually has military origins. Um, there's an article called "The Military Origins of Facebook" from UnlimitedHangout.com. And it's amazing that uh, DARPA, the Defense Advanced Ad, or Advanced Research Project Agency, um, actually was integral in the creation of not only Facebook, but the CIA created Google. I know you didn't mention Google, but that's another one. Um, so I do think that these pretend to be private companies. They attack libertarians for saying, you know, oh, you like uh, private companies to be able to do what they want, but then you're mad when you get censored. But the fact is, the CIA helped create both of these. Um, so, anyways, I'll throw it back to you. It's it's your turn to talk, anyways. I mean, DARPA's invested in a lot of different um, companies. But again, I'll, I'll move on from from that. Um, so, the difference between Venezuela, as we mentioned, Venezuela is a complete failure. I mean, it's and like you said, the fact that they you know need permission to you know buy a certain amount of food. I mean, that's so different than the you know European version of this. That I think it's honestly misused when people on the right, you know, use that as an example. Um, even Bernie Sanders has said, again, I'm not a huge Bernie uh, Sanders supporter, but he said m multiple times that that is not the socialism he wants to move towards. He wants to move towards a socialism more consistent with Sweden or um, Denmark, again, as I mentioned. Um, so I think socialism, there's a spectrum, right? As Pat you know, Patrick Henry just mentioned, there's the Venezuelan spectrum. Um, and then there's the complete, you know, free market capitalism uh, that we have. And, you know, I think everyone is on their own, you know, spot in on the spectrum. Um, you know, I do think that, you know, unemployment is a socialist program. Uh, you know, I think it's great that we have some sort of unemployment in this country. Now, recently, it's been hijacked because now we are having unemployment way too high and we are disincentivizing people from working, um, you know. The college is another thing that was mentioned. Um, you know, the GI Bill was a huge success. It got people, soldiers after World War II, um, allowed them access to education, and really was a great thing for this country. Um, the problem is now we have these student loans that we pushed on 18-year-olds. They now have buyer's remorse, and they want completely free college, and their you know, college paid, and their loans were given. Um, I just think that there's too much people wanting free in this country. You know, they want free health care. They want free college. Um, you know, I think people need to still have some costs. I think people, if they get free things, they're not going to um, appreciate it. And they're not going, and they're going to abuse the system. So I would rather see reforms 
um, and within a capitalist model than going to the socialist, you know, free college, free healthcare, um, guaranteed free housing that some people like AOC and Bernie Sanders are supporting. Okay, yeah, I actually lost and stole a lot of the things that I was going to say in response because I actually have read that article that uh, Patrick talked about, spoke about, uh, and uh, and I agree, Venezuela is just a bad example overall because, like Mr. Lawson said, there is a spe- spectrum, and I just wanted to kind of go into uh, what socialism, what I think would look like in America, and, and just I want to say it right off the bat is already it's going to be it's impossible it's it's really almost impossible for us to vote communism or i'm sorry communism socialism and into america and a lot of that though though has with the misconceptions i think that american pride is so strong that you know we already have made up our minds on socialism and maybe the younger generation is going to change that but the way it's trending right now is the voting power and the strength in the country still come from middle-aged to elderly people who uh who still control the way the country is going to go for the I think the foreseeable future, the next decade or so at least. Um, but one of the things that I think are, is a misconception is that you can still get rich in America with the democratic, with democratic socialism. Uh, but 90, 99% of us aren't going to get rich in the, in the current system that we are in now. Um, I would love my books to take off and get a movie or TV deal. And if I make $20 million, I'll you know happily give $7 million in taxes because I'll still have $13 million. That's still more... Than most people are ever going to see in their lifetime, and it's I can live on that. I mean, I, I really believe that. Um, I'll get into Alexandria Cortez a little bit later because you know her seventy uh, percent tax uh, that she wants to do on the wealthy. I think is a bit crazy. Um, maybe more sort. Uh, maybe it's more appropriate towards the super rich. And without getting into that too much, I did look up. There's about six hundred. Some of the figures I've seen, but are a little different. But somewhere between six hundred and eight hundred. Uh, six hundred eight hundred billion billionaires in the country that's hard to say there are you know that many billionaires in our own country on top of 12 million millionaire households which is just an insane amount of money to be in such a small group um you know but uh back more on point because i mean like does jeff bezos really need 52 billion dollars i mean he continues to make all that money and in a more fair system the people that work for him the people that work you know two jobs or 80 hours a week on with his company don't these deserve a little bit more of that as a kickback uh you know this is not i'm sorry i will calm down a little bit i get a little overheated on these kind of things but you know you have ge you know ge the company do they deserve to pay less taxes than i do because they find loopholes to get away with that uh those are the areas and changes that i think can be made into democratic socialism where those kind of people this is where the hybrid comes in in my opinion where those kind of corporations, those people pay a little bit more so that we have more equality in America. There is a huge inequality right now between the classes. And I think that Americans, while I agree to some respect, you know, socialism seems to be trending a little bit more. I can say that with a whole bunch of other issues, too, in social media and Facebook and all that. And But I think really we've already been brainwashed into thinking that we have freedom and choices when in reality, I think it's a lie. You know, the average person... You have a simple life with zero shot to reach the level of Gates, Bezos, or a sports star, yet you're given the carrot dangling in front of you thinking that you can make it, you know, and you're not, you know, you're not going to make that. And it, it, that shows what kind of inequality is in this country. Um, you know, having a, a more, you're not going to get that extraordinary life, but with some changes, you can have a better life, you know, with a higher minimum wage, with 
you know, where you pay a little bit more in taxes and pay less or nothing for healthcare, school, nursing homes. And again, that's something you don't think about until you have to pay for those things. And if those were, you know, if you, those are taken out of your lives, um, I think that um, we'd accept uh, democratic socialism a little bit more. I'm out of breath from talking about that. Sorry, I haven't done that yet on this podcast. So I'll throw it to Mr. Lawson. Yeah, just real quick. That's the notion I think is common among people that have support socialism is that we're going to pay nothing. Um, you know, the there was a liberal leaning um, group that add, added up all of the proposals of AOC and Bernie Sanders, like with their socialist programs, and they're over forty-two trillion dollars. So that would almost—I mean, I think that would like double the size of the U.S. government to fund that. So I do think those proposals, some of those are unrealistic. But again, what it's going to result, we can't just tax the rich. I mean, the rich are very good at, and I'm not talking about like the like low-level millionaires. I'm talking about like really billionaires and high-level people. They're really good at avoiding taxes. Um, you know, they hire accountants. Like they, they have ways of, you know, they move money offshore. Um, they're really good at avoiding taxes. Um, so I don't think just like taxing the rich is going to be able to cover um, some of these proposals, like free healthcare, um, free college. And, you know, um, again, free housing is, is another one that's starting to emerge as something that's like guaranteed housing for people that will be very, very expensive. Right. And I, I agree with that. Yeah, I'm going to throw it over here, Patrick, in a second. I agree with that. And it's not and because I also made some notes, too. You know, it's it's one of those things. This is another reason why it's going to be impossible to happen in America, because we're not going to have the patience for it. We're not. I mean, to one, we're going to have, you know, um, le- uh, limitations on, you know, getting elected uh uh, you know, there's going to be term limits, and that's never going to change. That should never change. You know, you shouldn't be a lifelong politician like you see in, in uh, Russia with Putin. Um, but that's another thing is is to implement the kind of change that we would need, you would need a long-term commitment to it. And economic growth, I think, would be slow at first, but would take off. And it's been kind of proven in some ways that um, you do get a more stable economy when with a socialist government. Because, like, look at the, what the election did right now. Like, the you know, the economy swings whichever way the election goes sometimes, which, you know, is take it for what it is. But... Um, Okay, I'm going to throw it over to uh, Henry here. So if you want to try socialist policies, you have to do it at the state level per our Constitution. If not, if you want to do it at the federal level, you have to change the Constitution. Like I said at the outset of this, Article 1, Section 8 sets out what the federal government can and can't do. The rest of it's up to the states. I think socialists such as AOC and Bernie Sanders, they want it at the federal level so you no longer have this means of comparison. Right now, you can compare and you can see just how in debt California is and how people are leaving it in droves and going to places like Texas, where there's no state income tax. Right now, you can compare the failed policies of socialism to the prosperous, um, how prosperous you possibly can be with freedom and liberty. Now, we don't have a free market like um, like Lawson said. I almost uh, called you by some other name. I don't even know what. Um, but... We, we don't have this we don't have this free market because um, because of all the things we've said in, in every episode leading up to this um, we have a massive government a massive government at the federal level that's doing a bunch of unconstitutional things we have a central bank that's one of the tenets of the communist manifesto we have a heavy graduated income tax we before 1913 didn't have any income tax um, and our dollar is not tied to anything. It can be printed at, at, uh, at the whim of the politicians who promise free stuff. And uh, free stuff is not going to lead to prosperity. It's going to lead to total collapse. And then when it comes to places like 
oh, you know, you list these countries and say that's not socialism. Um, I feel like socialists wait until a country collapses and then as soon as it collapses, they say that's not socialism. And the ones that are pre-collapse, that is socialism. But once we see these other countries collapse because they can't take it anymore, um, then all of a sudden that's not going to be real socialism again. So I'm not done with my part here because there's been a lot brought up. Um, so Bernie Sanders keeps getting brought up. He uh, praised Cuba. He praised their uh, literature program there. And I recommend people read the article that's called, Yes, Bernie Sanders, Castro's literacy program was actually a bad thing. I was indoctrinated by it. And uh, then another thing about Bernie Sanders is he, his honeymoon. His honeymoon was in the Soviet Union. So let me read an excerpt here from... He is like 200 years old. That was quite a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> Still odd that he would choose the Soviet Union as a place for a honeymoon. Um, but this is, so this is an excerpt from the Foundation for Economic Education, which I mentioned before. It was written by someone who lived in the Soviet Union. And it is called How Socialists Tried to Breed Out the Desire for Freedom. Nearly a century ago, a Soviet scientist attempted to crossbreed humans and chimpanzees. Among other things, he was trying to alter humans permanently to get rid of primitive human traits, including competitiveness and the desire to own property. It sounds like a horror movie, but sadly, and even more horrifyingly, it is actually true. The story was extensively covered by Scientific American and New Scientist. To me, to the writer, someone who actually lived in the Soviet Union, this is not at all surprising. The Soviet state had no regard for human life or what an individual wants. In the Soviet socialist system, an individual had no rights or freedoms. In fact, under socialism, individuals should not even want freedom. If they do, it is seen as a primitive trait which must be removed. Soviets viewed their people like farm stock, animals to be bred, corrected, and molded into a socialist man. The macabre attempts to crossbreed humans and apes was an attempt to introduce genes to suppress longing for freedom and individuality. Later, they tried a different approach to remove individuals with strong longing for freedom and independence from the population. He goes on to say, I would want to put these memories in the horrible section of the photo album of humanity's history and firmly say never again. But with ideas of socialism on the rise, thanks to Scott Barnes, no, he didn't say that, and popular politicians refusing to condemn socialism and the Soviet Union, Revisiting the most horrible parts of the 20th century is sorely needed if we are to avoid making the same mistakes again. And here are three quick things to remember every day. First, for socialists, the rights to life and liberty are not so much inalienable rights as privileges granted and therefore revoked by the government. This is why defending the right for an individual to think, speak, and act is of utmost importance. Second, defending people's right to own property is also important. Individuals with homes, businesses, and private sector wages are independent from the government and harder to control. This is why all factories and nearly all houses in the Soviet Union belong to the government, to exert absolute control over the people. Third, note how socialists always assault individualism and independence of persons. Even today, they announce individualism as a relic of the past, a nuisance at best, or a dangerous trait that should be eradicated at worst. In that sense, they are not much different than the socialists of a hundred years ago who wanted to breed out the desire to own property from human nature. That is why defense of rights to life, liberty, and property 
and the pursuit of happiness are the best strategy to maintain proud individualism and avoid being reduced to farm stock. Go ahead, Scott. Right. And again, too, the I still think the socialism that you're bringing up isn't what anywhere close to what we'd see in America, though. I mean, it's it, it, you're still talking about the totalitarian type of socialism where and I agree with you, it would have to be more on a state level. We'd have to see even more um, expanding the federal government with socialism. Um, I actually do have a long list of uh, cons here, too, which I'll read through, but I'll throw it back to Mr. Lawson before I get into that. So but I, uh, I do agree that there are some definite cons and problems with socialism. But again, not in the totalitarian way that you're uh, referring to there. But I'll go to Lawson first. Yeah, and Russia still hasn't figured things out because now they're like almost like an oligarchy um, state. But I think I went, again, I think one of the most important things about socialism is that it, you know, it lowers incentives. You know, I know people that are having trouble hiring people to work right now because the unemployment is so high in this country. Like, you're, like people are getting paid so much not to, not to work that they're not taking, you know, like lower level paying jobs. Um, so I think that, you know, what I'm worried about is that, again, you're going to take away people's incentives to save money for college, you know, to, um, you know, have an HSA, to get health insurance at a private level. I mean, I think that, you know, again, I think there's, you know, the healthcare system in this country um, is far from perfect. And as Patrick Henry mentioned, I do think that the obesity in this country is the huge factor on why it is so expensive. Um, but there's other factors as well. I mean, the private insurance industry is, is far from great. Um, you know, I think that college is too expensive. But, you know, there's different arguments that, and we can maybe talk about this on another podcast, that, like, the college loans that the government is giving out is actually incentivizing these colleges to up their prices. So, you know, I think that there should be, like, you know, common sense reforms. Um, for, there was Senator Tim Kaine recently came out with an idea to give Pell Grants or grants to poor students to go to trade school. Um, you know, that's something that makes sense to me, and I actually can't believe that hasn't happened. You know, I'm all about giving poor people a chance, you know, a, a leg up if they need it um, for a short time or for a little bit. But I don't like the endless, you know, giveaways that are happening right now. And I'm worried that the socialist movement is trying to push people to just wanting free things and to wanting higher taxes. Right, and that does come, like you said, it's going to come down to people do want free things, free things, and I think, I know some of us have, I'm, I'm not going to speak, you know, where, but I know that some of us have worked in inner cities and in some really bad neighborhoods, really bad places, where, especially those kind of people, they have no shot at life, you know, it's really sad, I've, I've, I see it almost every day still, and, you know, those kind of people, that they, you want to try to help them out too, and then you give them a little bit and they want more, and it, it's, it's, a really messed up system, and again, too, socialism, I'm not going to say, is the answer to that, uh, because some people, you know, it, it's just really difficult to help them, but as you said before, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into some of the cons, and we can t talk about these, and I'll throw it back to Patrick after this, but um, I do have a list of cons, and but I think that some of these things can be overcome, and I think, like Mr. Lawson said, there are some common sense changes that you could make um, that can make a huge difference, too, in, in people's everyday life. So, you know, you're not going to help all those people like I spoke about, but you can make things a little bit easier for them, give them better access to education, better health care, and, you know, kind of start and build from there. But, you know, the first kind I found is the most obvious one is there more control given to the government. And politicians have ad agendas, and giving them more power won't fix things. 
and we'll probably make things worse, you know, every, depending on the specific politician. And I can bring up, uh, you know, I'll bring up AOC a little bit later because, you know, she's kind of almost, I feel like she's the Trump to the right, how Trump is to the left. You know, I think their biggest fear, and I think there's a good shot she's going to be president someday, and I think that's a huge fear for the rights. But we'll get into that later. Um, you know, you're going to have more taxes. Um, even with higher taxes on the super rich and corporations, like Mr. Lawson said, and that would only add billions um, to the economy or to, you know, the GDP or anything when we are in debt in the trillions of dollars. So that's not going to obviously fix everything either and all the things that come along with socialism, socialist programs. And it's almost impossible for a Democratic socialist president to be in office long enough to meet uh, a full plan to make those changes necessary. Uh, let's see what else we have. You know, union, civil, uh, civilian oversights, uh, committees, etc. Um, those can be disbanded under socialist um, agendas or, you know, government. Um, I'm not sure if that's true. It would happen in America because, again, I don't really see in a democratic so uh, socialism um, government or society those civil liberties still be taken away. People just wouldn't stand for it. And I think it would be impossible to enforce. Um, but I think that you could have them more at the corporate level so you can monitor what they do. Um, another con, uh, the fear the government would control where you work. You know, that's another thing, too, with uh, uh, socialism. You're afraid that they can tell you if you have a certain skill set in some area, they're not going to let you work where you're needed the most. Again, I don't think that's going to happen in America. I think if you have talents or skills or you're educated in one area, you're going to be able to pursue that. Um, you have more bureaucracy, which, yes, it sucks. There's not really any way you're going to get around more bureaucracy in a socialist society. Socialism society that is frustrating, and it is one of those things that make me question whether or not um, it's worth doing. Um, it would create more government spending. Um, the trade-off is a possible more stable economy. Um, you know, there's going to be trade-offs with anything, especially in the long term. That would make sense. But you know, as I think we mentioned in the last uh, podcast, that you know everything's short-term of the economy right now. All the politicians want to point to what's happening in the economy now and any growth you have. Um, so nobody's going to think long term with the economy. They're going to think short term. Uh, there's less motivation to work um, in a socialist uh, society. Um, you have you have to address that for uh, you know because if you have more socialist programs, more things that are going to pay for your schools or your housing or you know there's not going to be as much of incentive to get out there and work. Um, so there need to be added bonuses and incentives to get you out there um, to contribute. Uh, only a couple left here um, on. Paper, you can't stop corruption, uh, and, but you know, and, and there's going to be corruption in a socialist uh, government. You see that everywhere. You see that in you know communism as well. Um, but you can cut down on corporate uh, corruption. I think in this case, um, and you need more checks and balances in this way to control what these corporations do. I think I mentioned in another episode how Tours of Rust got away with what they did. You know, screwing over thousands of employees to give themselves bonuses. That shouldn't happen. I don't even think you need socialism for that to happen. That's just common sense that you shouldn't fire thousands of employees and then give yourself kickbacks. That's just criminal, in my opinion. And finally, you would have a slow economic growth under this uh, ideal. And that's true at first. But like I said, you know, over time, I think that with a minimum wage, more stimulus checks and with the education and everything, once they get implemented and the social programs, that would make things better in the long run. But again, too, I'm not sure. We can get to that. I've talked a long time here. I will throw it back to Patrick Henry. 
The other thing with government control is, let's say you're dependent on the government for health care. They could say you have to take this COVID vaccine. You have to take it in order to keep your health care. Anytime you're dependent on government, they could put strings attached to that. It's they have the power then. You, you are under the control of the government. Um, when it comes to minimum wage laws, um, if you're going to do it, do it as local as possible. The federal government can't set a minimum wage of, say, 15 or $20 because there are gas stations out in the middle of nowhere where that's just not feasible at all. You can't pay employees $15 an hour. You'll, you'll go under. You can't afford it. So if you want a minimum wage, do it at the state or even more local than that. I personally think there should be no minimum wage. A minimum wage makes it illegal to work below that, that wage. So if the business owner and the employee want to agree to work for $8 an hour, um, the government is there saying, no, that's illegal. You have to pay him $15 an hour. And then the business owner, it's his money. He's the one who took the risk to create the business, says, well, I can't afford that. I can't afford you to stand there and you know flip a burger for this much money. Uh, I'm going to either automate or... Um, just get rid of people and just have one person flipping burgers instead of however many. And flipping burgers is one example, but getting getting paid a low amount sometimes is a step on the employment ladder. Otherwise, you might be dependent on the government your entire life. Um, so that's my take on the minimum wage laws, but that's a different rabbit hole, and I think Lawson wants to respond to that, but I have more to say. Well, let me just jump in real quick on this. Um, I... I completely agree with the, you know, the $15 minimum wage, just, it's way too high for a lot of areas in this country. Um, and, you know, I do agree with what you said earlier about the state level, and that that's a lot of, that's a good place where you can make, you know, you can, almost it's, it's an experiment, you can try different things. Um, you know, some states have given free community college to, you know, students, which I think is a pretty decent idea. Um, but there is a lot of minimum wage you know, differences between different states. And, you know, I'm, I'm not for, as Patrick kind of said, no minimum wage, because I think that in some areas, like there could be a town with like one employer um, and they could, you know, possibly lower, you know, pay so low that it would be abusive almost to people. So I am okay with the federal minimum wage. Um, but, you know, and I actually, I would actually tie it to inflation because as we've mentioned earlier, I mean, inflation is going way up, and if you're not moving the minimum wage at all, um, then it's you just keep losing more and more value to the minimum wage. Um, but I don't think it should be up to 15. I think we could raise it maybe a little bit, or just start what we have now and tie it to inflation. Um, but I, I think the people on the left are calling for $15 minimum wage, and some are even calling for higher than that. Um, I think that's just ridiculous for this exact scenario that Patrick Henry said. And obviously, as you raise the minimum wage more, you do have more of a risk for automation. Right. And I just want to say really quick, because I'm not going to take any more your time, but I, I do agree with that. And it's got to be one of those things where it's inflated or, you know, you have to, there's going to be give and take because obviously the cost of living in California is going to be a lot different from living in Oklahoma, potentially, or upstate New York or, you know, anywhere compared to the inner city of New York or New York City itself. So yeah, obviously a 15 minimum dollar wage across the board doesn't make sense, but and something like that would have to be implemented, especially um, if you have small businesses that, of course, you know, like Patrick Henry said, can't afford to pay somebody $50 an hour. Um, but I the, think there would have to be more tax breaks there. I'm sorry, go ahead. That's my problem with the with the socialist left right now is there's they're pushing so far on some of these issues. 
you know, like you could reason, like, I think it's reasonable that maybe we increase the federal minimum wage, you know, a couple dollars or like start where it is now, tie it to inflation. I know Patrick Henry would disagree with me, but you know, I think well, they wanted like, to do it in increments though too. Remember it wasn't just going to be $15 right off the bat. It was going to be but, staggered. But so. still, I do think, like you said, or like Patrick Henry said earlier, I do think the States really should lead the way on like increasing the minimum wage to a significant level. And I think that the left is just, you know, making these $15 promises to try and get votes of young people. And it just, it, it seems to me like it's more pandering than making actually economic sense. I'll turn it back to over once. I was going to say, I'm going to throw it to Patrick. But yeah, it, it, it is, that's exactly what it is. A lot of it is pandering. And I think that's actually, now that you say that, makes a lot more sense. And why you see, you know, what Patrick Henry said earlier about it being embraced is it is pandering to the younger generations. And while I do agree with a lot of, a lot of the ideals and a lot of the things that we could do with democratic socialism, it's not through that because that always ends badly when you promise people one thing and then the reality is far different than what's promised. But uh, Patrick has waited patiently for a long time here. So back to you. Well, that's one of the beautiful things about this. The way this country was set up originally was with these different states. The states can compete to whose state do people want to live in? Which state is the best one to raise a family in? For me, which state is the freest? And we can see what happens at the state level. You know, if, if somebody wants to try... If California or New York want to try full-on socialism, I think they can do that at the state level. Um, they might have to change their own constitutions because every state is a republic, and that's in the federal constitution that they have to be republics. Um, but, you know, and then, then people can, if, if it works in California, people will be flocking there. <clears throat> if it fails, people will be flocking to get out. Like they are right now, I think partially because of the lockdowns, but also partially because of the insanely high taxes. Because remember, here you have to combine federal, state, local to get your taxes. And then on top of that, you have to pay other taxes, such as sales tax, capital gains tax. You know, you can't even uh, buy gold at one price. You know, if you want to buy gold right now, um, you have to pay a sales tax on it. Then if it goes up in price and you sell it, you have to pay a capital gains tax on it. So you can't even get money off investing investing your money because of the socialism that we already have and um then there's there's i know we're going uh, long on time here but there's more i wanted to say so there is increasing concern from immigrants who come from places like china venezuela cuba and others this from a washington examiner article called damn socialism why are you chasing me quote on the first day when we landed here the media and left reinforced the concept that minorities and immigrants are supposed to vote for democrats and not supposed to be aligning with conservatives, said George Lee, a Chinese immigrant in Irvine, California. But socialism, quote, is a great, great concern to Chinese Americans, which is why I'm really motivated to stop that, Lee said. It's our duty. And there are plenty of socialists and communists in government. Mayor Bill de Blasio said, quote, look, if I had my druthers, the city government would determine every single plot of land, how development would proceed. And there would be very stringent requirements around income levels and rents. That's a world I'd love to see. End quote. Beyond those in government, there's the media and internet. Wikipedia appears to be strongly controlled by socialists or communists. From a Fox News article called Inside Wikipedia's Left Wing, or sorry, Leftist Bias, the two main pages for socialism and communism span a mass of 28,000 words, and yet they contain no discussion of the genocides committed by socialist and communist regimes, in which tens of millions of people were murdered and starved. The omission, 
This is a quote. The omission of large-scale mass murder, slave labor, and man-made famines is negligent and deeply misleading, end quote. Economics professor Brian Kaplan, who has studied the history of communism, told Fox News. The pages include plenty of history, Kaplan noted, and are not confined to just philosophical claims, but the history focuses on fat, flattering claims. Wikipedia's socialism page announces the Soviet era saw some of the most significant technological achievements of the 20th century. It ignores a man-made famine in which Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin commandeered the food from regions like Ukraine and Kazakhstan, leaving millions to starve to death, even as the Soviet Union exported grain to foreign countries. The Wikipedia socialism page also mentions China's communist history, but only begins its description in 1976, after Mao Zedong's reign of terror had already killed tens of millions. After Mao Zedong's deaths in 1976, China's economic performance pulled an estimated 150 million peasants out of poverty. That's what Wikipedia says. The article fails to mention Mao's prior communist programs, such as his Great Leap Forward, in which private farming was abolished, leading to mass famine that killed tens of millions. It also neglects to mention Mao's Cultural Revolution, in which, according to the History Channel, millions of young radicals who formed the paramilitary Red Guards shut down schools, destroyed religious and cultural relics, and killed intellectuals and party elites believed to be anti-revolutionaries. Um, so, yeah, I just want to say that uh, the, the importance and what people need to focus on is freedom and limited government, and I think you will get prosperity then. But we don't have it now. We have a very heavy graduated income tax, a central bank. You have to change a lot of this. You have to stop spending money overseas on these foreign wars. Those are ridiculous expenses. Uh, throw it back to Scott Byrne. Thanks. And I was going to say, like some of those still are, are extreme examples of communism and socialism gone wrong. And I think everybody, we can agree on this outside of Disney, that China did some really bad things and continues to do some bad things. You know, we can debate that later. Damn you, Mickey Mouse. Um, and we had a good episode on China too. Yes, yeah, we did. Yeah, and uh, so I think most of us agree that yeah, they the, the things that Mao Zedong and, and Stalin did were absolutely horrible. Um, as we start to wrap up here, I just want to say I know that we touched on Bernie Sanders, but another one that I'm surprised we didn't bring up more is Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, which I know I just butchered her name. That wasn't done out of disrespect. Um, I know Ocasio. Uh, Henry mentioned. Go ahead. What? Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Thank you. And I'm not I, even I, a socialist. Yeah, my brain no speak good no some what now, and uh, obviously Bernie Sanders was mentioned by Henry. Um, I know uh, I I would throw it after this if uh, uh, Lawson wants to look up like say anything on Elizabeth Warren. I know uh, I think that we've agreed that even some of us that tend to lean more left even find her a little uh, leftist for our taste. Um, but uh, basically, she I think is the leading socialist. Uh, especially among young people. I think Bernie's starting to phase out a little bit, and she's starting to take up the mantle. And she's going to be the socialist leader, I think, going forward. And really, I really wouldn't be surprised if uh, by 2028 or so she runs for president. Um, but uh, she wants – some of the things that she wants, some of her highlights, uh, I don't have a lot here. I'm just going to touch on them really quick. Um, but, you know, she doesn't agree with the other socialists in the party. You know, it's like just like pol politics, you know, other politics, they don't agree on everything. But she wants a single-payer – Medicare for all. She wants tuition-free public college and trade school. She wants federal job guarantees. She wants to cancel all student debts. She wants guaranteed family leave 
She wants to abolish the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement and private person. Uh, I'm sorry, what did I? I can't even remember what I'm writing here. I, I'm sorry, and private prisons. Uh, she wants stricter gun policies and very hard line on energy, but their energy policies. She wants a 70% in, income tax policy on those who have above $10 million, and that's part of a Green New Deal, which is basically um, the Acronomicon uh, the right uses against her and the horrible things that they have planned for us Americans going forward. But those are the highlights I have on AOC. I don't see half of those ever getting implemented. It's going to be a hard road. Even if she became president with executive action, she couldn't do a lot of the things that she dreams about. That's, you know, the only thing I was, I'll say on my, my last part here is, is the only thing that I, I do agree that it should be more of a state-level uh, democratic so uh, socialism program going forward. But if, there's, if it is tackled at the federal level, it needs to be against the corporations. I really do think that we need to do something about this gap wealth and the inequality in Americans. Um, it's just something that can't keep going in the trend that it is. And you might need a socialist program like this. You need a, you know, a roadblock in place to start correcting some of those things. I know we can still make money. I see, Patrick Henry, I know you're shaking your head, but I still think that we need, you, you're still getting your rich in this society going forward. You're not, nobody's going to take that away. You're trying to solve a government-created problem with more government, and that's exactly what they want. They want you to blame freedom. They want you to blame capitalism when, in fact, it's, it's government manipulation is why we're in the shape that we're in. There's a wealth gap because, I mean, look at Amazon. Look at the uh, look at the contracts they have with the CIA to for cloud computing. That's not free market capitalism. Um, I've already talked about Facebook and Google. Uh, those those aren't created because of the free market. Um, but I think you know we've talked about so many conspiracies. These same people want total control. And what better way to get total control than by saying, "Oh, look, we're going to provide you." Uh, housing and education. We're going to provide you a safety net. It's not safety. It's about getting you dependent so they can control you. And I know Scott or uh, Lawson wants to say right. So. I was going to throw it to Lawson. Yeah, but I, I don't think that everybody in the government with that is is evil or have bad intentions. I really do think that there's some out there. And AOC in the end game, I really do think wants to make some meaningful changes. She's not going about it in a realistic way. But I still think that there's people like Bernie Sanders do want ultimately to help. Um, and I actually, well, I was going to say, I'll, I'll end my rant now, and I will throw it to uh, Lawson. Well, just to kind of, like, wrap it up, then we've, we've gone um, on long. I mean, I think that, you know, I think some socialists, they're not, they don't all hate America. Um, I don't think that's, I think that's a false argument. I mean, there's maybe some that have, you know, not the best motives. Um, but I think it's, it's largely just a response to capitalism, and it's, you know, a view of younger people looking at, you know, the way the country is going, and they're saying, you know, we need to make some radical reforms. Um, I disagree with some of the choices that they are making on these radical reforms. Um, but I think that, you know, we'll be probably talk about this more. But, um, you know, I think, again, there's a spectrum between, you know, I think reasonable changes and the, you know, high tax, um, taking away liberty um, that some of these socialist politicians are, or um, advocating right now, and I do think that again, some of it is just it's just pandering to um, young people and trying to get them to trying to get their vote, uh, and then doing something completely different. I've said what I want to say. Lawson said what his he's want to say, and we will throw over to Patrick Henry for his final word before we wrap it up. Yeah, I think it's a uh, the uh, government creates problems, and they control the reaction, and they provide the solution. 
the housing crash was uh, respond was um, was caused. Um, people want to blame capitalism, but if you really understand economics, it was caused by easy money from the Federal Reserve, which is uh, artificially low interest rates, instead of letting the market decide interest rates, um, money printing, and um, government guaranteeing loans through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So they caused the problem. And again, in student loans, it's the same thing. You know, the government guarantees these loans. And so, of course, prices are going to go up. They're going to skyrocket. If you have the if you have just the average person coming in there trying to pay out of their own pocket, the college can't use skyrocketing prices because no one could afford it. But now with the government coming in giving you these loans, of course the price is going to skyrocket. It's it's supply and demand. Uh, they create the problem, which is now a bunch of student loan debt, and the solution is of course more government and canceling debt um, that people agreed to. Um, but I to hand out loans to. <laughs> To finish, to finish here, um, I want to say, first of all, Karl Marx was a racist. Um, read his letter to Engels, dated July 30th, 1862. I won't read it here. But it amazed me when Black Lives Matter said they were trained Marxists. They should be anti-Marx uh, after you read his letter. Um, another twist is that free market capitalism is racist. In fact, the pro-slavery South in the Civil War days were anti-capitalism. Um, writers like George Fitzhugh argued that Southerners, he was a Southerner, should destroy capitalism and replace it with feudalism. Fitzhugh was basically a socialist, and he actually even wrote this, quote, Socialism proposes to do away with free competition, to afford protection and support at all times to the laboring class, to bring about at least a qualified community of property, and to associate labor. All these purposes, slavery fully and perfectly attains. Socialism is already slavery in all save the master. Our only quarrel with socialism is that it will not honestly admit that it owes its recent revival to the failure of universal liberty and is seeking to bring about slavery again in some form. And he was for this. He thought this was a good thing and he thought socialism was good because it brought about a new slavery uh, without calling it slavery, and this guy was pro-slavery, and he thought this was a good thing. So again, um, there's a lot of twists these days. Um, I I hope young people, I, you know, they seem to be very strongly pro-socialist now. Um, I hope they can rediscover or discover um, the importance of freedom and limited government and not getting involved overseas and um, constitutional constitutional government and real money and no central bank. Um, so that's it for me. All right, thank you. And I just actually want to let the audience know right now that just to show the level of mature, maturity that the three of us have reached, uh, probably about 15 years ago in our younger days, if we had the same debate, there would have been a lot more swearing, name-calling, and some very nice things not said. So I think even if you guys don't know us out there, you're listening, you should applaud us right now for the maturity that we have. And as we wrap it up, I want to throw it to Mr. Lawson. I think we should call this maybe his pitch of the week. Uh, Yes, as promised, and as the listeners um, really demanded, um, I am going to give you my 
in honor of the socialism theme of the episode, I'm going to give you my AL and NL West picks for MLB, um, having mostly California teams. So just real quick, in the AL West, I think the Mariners will finish dead last. Uh, They are completely rebuilding. Um, Even though right now they're winning the division currently, I know it's early, so that's the kind of bold pick you will get here on the Round 3 podcast. Um, I think the the, um, Rangers will come in fourth. Um, They just built a new ballpark, which is going to cost taxpayers $1 billion, by the way, so that's the best use of funds. But they will come in fourth. Um, I believe that the Angels will come in third. Um, I always hope that the Angels will win the division because I want to see Mike Trout in a playoff game, but their team is never deep enough, so I think they'll come third. Um, the Athletics just always seem to come in second place or you know hang around that division, so I'll pick them as second. And I hope this doesn't happen, but I think it's going to. I think the Astros are going to win the AL West. Um, I root against the Astros. I still think they weren't punished hard enough for their complete cheating and then i will go real quick on the nl west um i think the rockies will finish dead last and they're off to a good start with the three and ten right now um i think seriously i just i gotta stop really quick rockies last right really yeah i mean they're completely in in the nl west they're rebuilding completely um well good the the other teams the nl west the diamondbacks aren't very good um they'll come in fourth i think the giants will come in third they're kind of like that middling team um, half in contention, half out. Um, and then you have the top two. You have the Padres, um, who are obviously stacked, always aggressive, at least the last couple of years in free agency. I think they'll come in second. And then the L.A. Dodgers, I pick, will win the division. And I also am making my prediction they will be one of the teams in the World Series this year. So those are my picks so far. I will give you my uh, AL and NL East uh, picks next time. We uh, have our regular podcast. Um, and I just wanted to real quickly preview, um, we're also going to do a um, post-NFL draft podcast, and we are going to have a, a special guest, a, uh, a draft expert on that podcast, so stay tuned for that. Very excited about that going forward. I agree with you pretty much across the board, AL and NL. I hate the Astros as well. I feel they're going to be up there, though. Um, they're a tough team. I think Padres, I almost want to pick the Padres to win the division, though. Um, because, as you said, they're really aggressive with the trade deadline. They always stick around. But the Dodgers are, I agree with you, they're, they're too strong of a team. Rockies, I don't see them finishing behind the Diamondbacks. I just, I don't see it. They're one of those sneaky teams that maybe will make a late push for a wild card berth, but they're not going to do much besides that. And that's all I got to say. Patrick Henry, you got anything for us? Sports. That's the insight from Patrick Henry on baseball right there. I dropped my mic and it would not mute. Uh, the attaboy, that uh, great insight there. I uh, can't wait to see his opinion on the NFL draft. He'll probably be drunk the whole time we do that episode, which should be fun, as we do want to have some fun on this podcast. So that was it, our socialism podcast. But remember, this is not over. We will have a part two at some point when enough people chime in, and we will bring this up again. Maybe even a part three. I feel like some of these episodes we can even have a part three on eventually, as they are still trending and important and relevant. But thank you all again out there for listening. We appreciate you all. We hope to continue to grow our listenership and entertain you as well as inform you. That is all we got for the week. Join us next time. And as always, play us out, Mr. Solomon Black. Dying of thirst, trying to find an oasis. Finally paying for all the time that I've wasted. I said life is a race, but I was driving mistakes. See, the truth will shine a light on all your lies if you face it. And so that's why you might hate me. At a party, won't play this. If I tried to be basic, I would finally be famous. I could be crowned for a favor. I could be drowning in paper. I could have all the kingdoms of the world. I'm bowed on the Satan. 
Matthew 4-9, if you die what I'm saying. Matthew 6-6, keep it down while I'm praying. Revelation 1-9, I'm on an island, come and save me. Proverbs 20-21, he sell out just so hasty. If music ain't about the